Special guest, the one and only Mr. Jerome Rex. Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> How you doing, sir? Sub DJ, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Very cool to have you here. As with uh, DJ, not DJ, B-Boy the Curse, we've been hanging out for an hour and a half or so. Yeah, and time just, flies, time yeah, flies. Yeah, yeah. And just like ch- chatting about this, this and that. But thank you so much for making some time. Um, to chill with me and um, you know just for me to pick your brain on certain things so Jerome Rex where did this journey start sure yeah so um, practically at school eh, I got introduced uh, I got introduced to hip hop uh, in school high school I think probably standard 7 standard 8 somebody brought uh, a Walkman to school with a cassette a KRS one cassette and put the headphones on my head and just said listen to this and I said what is this you know, this booming bass line, this snapping snare, and it was just, it just grabbed me the energy of the music. So, so, so what year was that? That was probably 96, okay. 96, 97, okay. around there. Okay. And then um, from there, Jairo the Damager, mm. Um, mm. Bootang Clan, mm-hmm. Fuji's The Score came mm-hmm. out around that time as well, you know, so that was kind of my introduction to hip hop. Before that, I was, I was basically uh, a singer, you know, I would sing in, in the church choir, okay. I would sing in the youth choir, I would sing in the in the, the manakur, my yeah. like a pella and whatnot. But my introduction to hip hop was there. And it was really just a passion for the culture. I got really a love for the culture. In Kelsrava I went to Sereptai. In Kelsrava at the time I think the big crews were uh, BDP, Blue Downs mm-hmm. Posse, Burmek and those mm. Owens out in um, out in Blue Downs. Okay. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so Block was big. Uh, darker Shades of Funk mm. uh, So Hamo was an MC mm. at the time MC Delinquent was an yes. MC at the time yes. He's a house DJ today yes, house it was, DJ. Yeah, so, so that was the buzz A whole lot of b-boys came up Also mm-hmm. b-boying was big in Kells River Still is okay. You know, so um, guys like Dave Like Kurt uh, B-boy Ice mm. uh, A lot of those guys at the time were busy So what happened was just from falling in love with hip hop culture and hip hop as a whole, we started kind of like a hip hop interest group at school and mm. we got permission to use one of the classrooms. So that was kind of the vibe. If the guys weren't in the in the break, weren't dancing on vinyl, you know, they mm. would the people would carry this roll of vinyl with him everywhere. If they weren't da- dancing there on vinyl, they were in this classroom after school, I think a few days a week. Mm. And there people would freestyle and we would the guys would sketch in their books, you know. Wow. There was no, um, what's the word, resources really yes, for graffiti. So owns yeah. with my drawing the books with the blue lines. These were the ones with graffiti. And that's where my introduction to hip-hop and hip-hop culture started. 
So tell me, um, okay, so you've got you got this interest. So what happens next? Do you join a crew? How do you decide uh, to transition into becoming an MC? It was actually I can't remember the exact time. Eh? For because for a long time it was just liquor to rap along. Mm. You know, it was liquor to rap along to try and. <laughs> Abomatomically, <Tell me> <laughs> uh, yeah. it was just liquor to rap along, and then at some point, I started writing lyrics. Um, a friend of mine who was an MC who was involved with another group at the time, Lyndon, at school. Um, he actually approached me and he said, "Listen, let's do something for the talent show." Mm. And they they jumped off. I wrote a verse. We came up with a chorus to promote our hip-hop interest group at mm-hmm. school. The group was called Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, it all sounds very corny now. <laughs> and then at the school talent show, we did our thing. Yeah. And then from there, I connected actually with a friend of mine. Uh, Keith Knowledge is his stage name. Um, he was an established MC and a b-boy. Mm. And he was moving with the b-boys in Kales River. So he would nag me. Like he used to come to my house. He was in my brother's class, I remember. With my brother's uh, standard. He would come to my house and we would just hang out. He would mm. bring, hey, I got the new Mob Deep. And mm. he puts in the Mob Deep CD. And we just sit there and we listen to the whole wow. CD end to end, okay. you know. Yeah. You don't okay. say a word. And then we will freestyle and whatnot. And we'll hang out. So he started dragging me to, look here, there's a carnival. Let's put like the verse, man. Yeah. Just do a verse. Yeah. And so things things kind of um, escalated from the, on a more regular basis, mm. we would start performing. So we did like carnivals, school shows youth groups, mm. uh, Sunday school events, that kind of buzz mm. was kind of the thing. At the time, uh, later on, we connected with a friend of mine, Ivan, uh, Ivy Beats. Ivy Beats. Ivy Beats today, at the time, he was a hardcore house DJ. Mm. That guy would go to his house and in, in his room, he will play you a two-hour, three-hour house set mm. with vinyl on mm. LPs, you know, there was no, yeah. there was no time codes at the yeah. time. And he started transitioning from there okay. into doing hip-hop. And so things kind of just grew organically from there. Later on, we met up with Chase, mm-hmm. Chase Lutron, um, and we, we formed a little hip-hop crew, and and so things kind of snowballed from there. But it was just fun, you know, it was fun to be involved. It was fun, you're excited, you're on the new verse now, you can't wait for the ones to hear it. It was fun to go and gig, but there was no, like, push like it is today to yeah. kind of build a career yeah, 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 yeah. and so on. What yeah. would happen is we would just go somewhere to like a youth group and someone would see us and they would take our number and they would invite us to the next gig and so on and so on and so on. But but what what was that switch, that light switch or bulb that went off that told you like, okay, cool, now this is it. I, I want to attempt to do this uh, professionally or as, as, you know, as a career. That came for me much, much later. Eh? Yeah. So this whole... This whole hip hop crew performing in churches and schools and whatnot, that was around 2006. And many years later, I mean, around 2008, 2009, we would just perform for fun because it was liquor. Mm. Um, and then we met up with some guys from Wooster. I remember we were doing the Hartlopfiers, Hartlopfiers, mm. Hartlopfiers in mm. Bonneville. And this guy comes up to us, original. Mm. And he introduces himself and he's like, yo, I'm so glad to have met you, Owens. Ik is funny Wooster. Mm. Yeah, this guy turns out to be Yemobiesum. Mm. Um, before the Yemobiesum yes. brand, you know. And we connected and we started just hanging out and whatnot. And then that grew into something bigger where we would all just contribute. Later on, Cream got involved. Mm. And some other MCs, Liquid got involved. Mm. A lot of other guys got involved. And we just started making music and recording music. I think when I really started taking things seriously was around the time of Flow Motion. Mm-hmm. 
so late. I mean, by that time I'm rapping on mm. stages for years, but never thinking of it as a career. Mm. You know, but the time where I really started thinking I want to pursue this as a career was around the time of Flow Motion, which is around 2012, which is not that long ago if you think of the how yeah, far back yeah. this whole story stretches yeah, yeah so around that time i started thinking okay let's see man let's see where this goes and from there i started seriously pursuing gigs so if i saw an event was up on facebook i was like on facebook all the time because if i see an event and i'm contacting the the organizer i think that's kind of how i met dj easy because mm. there was a classics mm. and i'm like hi dj easy uh, is there open mic? And mm. he's like, no, nah, yeah. nah, son. Classics is not that kind yeah, of party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately not. We got a lot of flack yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you learn a lot. You yeah. know, you learn yeah. etiquette. You yeah. learn to do your for research. Sure. You learn for not sure. to, if you're approaching a radio station, you learn to make sure first to like play your format. Mm. Are they interested in what you're doing? If you're approaching an event, go there first and see what it's about. So from there, I would, whenever there was something on, Ragazzi used to have open mics. Mm. Ragazzi was first on Long Street. Yes. Up on Long Street, opposite the KFC above the African store, you know, we did Ragazzi a lot, we did uh, Lyrical Warfare was still mm. happening out in Kales River, we performed there a little bit this flow motion, uh, Pesta Vicapa, so I would stand there, I remember one of the first nights, Youngster launched one of his EPs, one of his mixtapes, and we stood there till mm. midnight, watched his whole show, <laughs> so that we could go on and do one song yeah. <laughs> on the open mic. So that's the point at which I really started thinking I need to pursue this and think about it in the way that I think about my nine to five, mm. you know, my job. Uh, so Cream and I worked on this first project. We put out the Flow Motion album. Um, it was a whole lot of fun. It was liquor. I started working on the, on a solo album from there, which was Jerome Gesellschap, which is like my first studio album. So from around that point, I'd say about 2012 or so, after many, many years of just messing around, I started really starting to take it seriously. Okay, let's flip it. Um, was there a conscious, uh, was it a conscious decision um, to to rap in Afrikaans? What was, as you was your vibe like, Kiki? Nah, I got the English vibes last. And I got it like, I got it keeping it real. Like, what, 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 what was the motivation behind, like, you know, doing your, your things in predominantly in Afrikaans? Yo, the joke is that it was kind of to stand out, which sounds silly today, mm. but at the time no one was rapping in Afrikaans. Mm. Like people were rapping in English, you know, everyone was rapping in English. Chase was rapping in English. Uh, Jits says old stuff in English, mm. they won't believe, yeah. you know. Everyone was rapping in yes. English and it wasn't like a thing. So I started at the time rapping in Afrikaans because it was something mm. different. And I really enjoyed the freedom that the language offered because by then I'd been writing for a while. So Afrikaans gave me, it was just fresh and refreshing. It gave me a different perspective. It opened me to a different, I suppose, different vocabulary and different words and things that you could play with and so on. And I, mm. I really grew into a love for it. And then it became kind of just my default language mm. to rap in. And today it's like weird because there's a massive, massive yes, Afrikaans yeah, rap yeah, of course. Uh, community, okay. you know. Everybody raps in Afrikaans. But at the time it was really just yeah. to stand out. So let's go back to that first album. What, what was the approach and what did you want to get out of, out of that album? Jerome in Gesellschap was like a collaborative album. It was a feature album. So I had a whole lot of artists whose work I appreciated and who I was close with, who I pulled in. And the idea was just to showcase, these are my friends. You know, the concept is, you know me by my friends mm. and by my company that I keep. And this is the company that I keep. Mm. You know, so I pulled in people who I was close with at the time. There was very little... 
there was very little people who I just pulled in for the sake of, okay. you know, I didn't work with people because you're a name, yeah, yeah. you know, a name like, uh, yeah. and now I must get you on. It was people who I was close with at mm-hmm. the time and who I was befriended with. So uh, Elise, Black Athena, she's on there. Uh, Simon is on there. Jimmel is on there. A uh, friend of mine, Hedden Boer from Worcester, he's on there. He contributes, Miss Lander, people who I met through Expression Session yeah, out yeah. in Worcester, which is a, like a music interest, talent show, variety show, whatever you want to call it, but it's like a movement out in Worcester. People who I met through there and other friends of mine all contributed to the project. So it was, it was just a fun thing. I wanted to showcase these are my friends yeah. and I wanted it to be really kind of like conversational. Mm. And mm. that was the approach with the album. So what was the lessons, the lessons learned out of that project uh, doing that, uh, yeah, doing, doing that album? What was the lessons um, that you've learned? The challenges for me there was finding my voice. Mm. You know, when you're good at a lot of stuff, it's difficult to find out where you must be mm. and what you must be doing. Mm. Um, so, you know, like you're a VJ or a DJ, or you, mm. you know, you play guitar, yeah. I see you on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Attempt to play guitar. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, for me, the challenge and the learning during that process was finding what is my sound. Mm. Because up until that time, I'd been involved in crews. So I'd worked with Antioch, which was a group of four of us. Yeah. It was myself and three other brasser. I'd been involved with Project Break Free, which was like 12 brasser. Mm. You know, everyone is rapping. And, and kind of the environment that you are in informs the context. Mm. So uh, flow motion was also for me fun because I got to do some different stuff and say things that I wouldn't normally have so, said yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in other contexts, you know. So whatever space you're in kind of just contributed to the 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 breedy mm. and the spices mm. you know so now it's just me now it's jerome now what do, do i sing do i rap mm. is it what do i say how do i say it really finding my voice and getting comfortable with it was i think the theme in that whole time that i was mm. busy working on that project and it was a long period i think it was about nine months that i worked on it mm. songwriting i wrote very very slowly it took me a long time to finish a oh. song I wasn't confident in my ability to, to sing and carry melodies and so on. So I had to grow in that confidence mm. as well. So that, that was the main theme that I take out of that time was finding what is my voice. Is this the same time that the expression session started or what? Expression session started a little before that. Oh. So expression session started in Vusta mm. um, a few years before that. So by the time I had met Simon, by the time I'd met Yamal, they were already busy. They'd already been busy so, going in Vusta. Oh, so, oh, so, so is it something that they started? Or? Yeah, it started oh, there. It started okay. there. It I started. This is probably a story wow. that Yamal should tell you, but wow. it started in his church. So he would, in his church, I think on a Wednesday night or on a Thursday, he would just bring people together. So what's nice about Vusta is they have a YWAM, they are youth with mm. a mission. Um, and so that's interesting because people from all over the world come through to this missionary school. So you would get at the expression session, you'd get a saxophonist from Sweden mm. or a banjo mm. player from Brazil mm. or a guy who makes bird sounds mm. or a lady who makes house music live and yeah. she plays yeah, instruments yeah. and so on. So it was really just about people coming together and all forms of creative expression can express themselves. That's where it started. And then years after that, we've been going for four years now in Kales River. I approached Robin, who was the custodian, and is the custodian today of Expression Session in Worcester. He's kind of the, what's the word? 
de overseer, ja. de muse, <laughs> ja. ja, de dubden, okay. die hoofdlig, ja, so I contacted him and I said, listen, can we bring it to Kales River? Mm. So we've been going for five years now in Kales River, uh, two years at the venue that we are now, and then from there, we expanded, Hakki's Draad started it mm. out in George, and then Pardon Island started up, and then Oudswaren started That's up. Dope. Yeah, so so it's quite nice. This this big coverage, yeah. But expression session started over there and still runs in Wooster. Mm. Okay, so and so what what's the difference between that and like your kind of your your current baby, which is lyrics still matter? Yeah, lyrics still matter is what's the word here? <laughs> lyrics still matter is kind of an initiative that I started to promote exactly that. You know, to talk about the importance of lyricism. That started from. Also my own personal journey, I think the last year especially has been about me getting comfortable in my skin again, Yeah. you know, and, and trying to own where am I, what am I really being booked as when I go to shows and so on. So sometimes I'll get booked for a show and I know, okay, this is a hip hop show, I'm going to go there and I'm just going to stick it with bars. Yeah, bars. No? Yeah, bars. Bars. Wow. <laughs> bars. <laughs> yeah, and then afterwards people say, yo, I wanted you to do this song or this song and it's the sing songy stuff, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's about finding where mm. are you and where do you fit in and so on and, and owning that stuff, mm. you know. But lyrics still matter. I started really appreciating people like Redman 25 years after his first album released. Yeah. A statement. I'm, no? I'm, tell, I'm watching him on Instagram and I'm just yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, wow. levels. Whoa, levels. Levels, yeah. levels. Yeah. Nas, I know his last album is not a great indicator, no, 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 but no, no, Life no, is no. Good. Yeah. Life is Good was Life for me good, yeah. a yeah. good album, and this is like 16 years after mm. his first album came out. Mm. Um, R.A. The Rugged Man, yes. Chino XL, guys who, like decades after they released their first work, but they are still displaying Stop. excellence, man, on a high level. Yes. And I started wanting to own that for myself and started saying, like, look here, I've been making music for a little while, but I want to, on a consistent basis, be making music that is of a high standard. Mm. And, and just, I, I just want to, mm. just sorry to, 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 to break your train of thought. Are, are you essentially making music for yourself? As what you're saying, are you essentially making music for yourself? These elements of that, yes. Mm. These elements of that. Because as an MC, as a lyricist, you reach a point, I believe, where you no longer compare yourself to other rappers. Mm. You know, you reach a point where you try to push yourself as an artist. Mm. So I've reached, in my songwriting, uh, when I'm rapping, when I'm, you know, you're writing heavy bars now, you're going to show off. For me, it's no longer about, am I better than the next guy? Mm. For me, it's about pushing myself and elevating. So when I go through a project or a phase where I'm writing for a project, I look for that and I try to push for growth. I try to, to stretch myself technically mm. and stretch myself in terms of performance. Mm. So yes, I am writing for myself. Mm. Um, but also the message in the music is for other people. Okay. And what's been fulfilling for me over the last two years or so, like from when um, the Feinscriff EP came out, because there was like some jiggy dancey stuff yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I gave it to DJs and whatnot. And once or twice I've heard that stuff play in a club and saw people dance to it. And for me, like I always say, you never get tired of hearing your music mm, on the radio. Of course not. But it is even more special to be like in a space and see people dance yeah. to your music. Yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful yeah. feeling. Yeah. So I love that as well. So there's this, there's this mix of the music, the sound is accessible and it's easy on the ear. 
and it's easy for people to get to to get close to it but at the same time the content the technical excellence of it needs to be on a level that i'm satisfied with so you kind of now know what your sound is yeah i think i'm comfortable just making music that that i want to make yeah i no longer feel like must i sing more yeah I try not to distinguish between mm. that because I feel I'm comfortable with who I am as, a, as an individual. Mm. I'm comfortable with who I am as an artist and how I present that on the stage. So um, my live show is very important to me, like how you present yourself in yes. a live show yes. and how you approach a live show. So I feel that I can take any of my content, mm. whether it's very dense, very lyrically heavy stuff, or whether it's the sing-songy stuff, I, I feel like I'm in a position from experience where I can take any of that stuff and I can adapt it to any situation. Mm. So it almost doesn't matter. Mm. It's just about, am I making music that is that is authentic mm. and that lives up to my standards yeah, that I've set for myself. Sure, sure. Yeah. So let's uh, fast forward to the to the current project, which is your Al Jerome project. Mm, Al Tell Jerome. us more about that. Yeah, Al Jerome. Yo, I've been talking about this for years, yeah. since I started Jerome and Gesellschap. For real? Yeah, once I was in studio, I was making guy, man. Uh. I was like, Kiggy, you know what we must do? <laughs> <laughs> we sample Al Jerome's music, then we call it Al Jerome. Mm. Ah, ha, ha, and we yeah. laugh, okay, okay, then it's over and forget yeah. about it. Yeah. And then this year, I was keen to do something interesting. Mm. I was keen to do a bit of a project because it's now been two years since Feinscriff came out. I was in the mood to write again. Uh, I, you know life is happening mm. so you know things are happening with employment and relationships yes, and family yes. and whatever 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 and um in the process of learning how to manage that stuff while also being an artist i decided let me start something so i called up gary arsenic uh, at, at um, metalloid labs and i said look here this is what i want to do but at the time i was thinking an ep we're going to do eight tracks mm. it's going to be fun you know and a lot of stuff happened where I felt, yo, I missed opportunities, man. Like mm. Al Jero died last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 2017. Yeah. So, yo, imagine. Yeah, yeah. Imagine. If the project imagine, imagine, that, imagine, yeah. imagine. And then also, um, Shardai Villain came out. Mm. And I was like, yes, so here's this guy taking this concept. This is not new, man. Yes. You know, I had this idea. Mm. I didn't do it. But anyway, those things kind of happened and confirmed for me that the timing was right. And I seen Gary a bunch of beats or a bunch of songs, like a best of, yeah. and he sent the stuff back to me, and then I started writing for that. And then from there, it just developed into something much, much bigger, because every time I told somebody about it, they were like, oh, is mm. it? That's interesting. Mm. You know, and now all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, people have like a heavy expectation. Mm. This can't be just a quick and dirty, mm. fun mixtape, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, pet a, project. A pet project. Because you can't mess with uh, <laughs> Al Jero's legacy, yo. <laughs> it's Al Jero, yeah, yeah. The man yeah. is a legend. Yeah. He's making yeah. great music. Yeah. So then it grew into something more. You know, I decided I have to approach it as an album. I have to, the songwriting needs to be on that level. The execution needs to be on that level. And that's where that came from, uh, where it grew into what it is now. So 15 track album, um, there's 12 songs on there. It's like fully realized, mm. fully produced songs. So it's mm. not mixtape gedachtes, yeah. where the beat plays for 90 seconds and you split the 16 bar verse, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's like songs and album songs. Yeah, because people got involved mm. and they poured their passion and their time and their money into it. I crowdfunded it. Uh, Thunderfund were wonderful. Mm. Those people put in money. So when I see someone 
buying a thousand rand package. You know, one of the tiers was a thousand mm. rand. You get the hoodie and the t-shirt and the CD and I credit you as executive producer yeah. in the liner notes of the disc. But when I see someone putting a thousand rand into my dream, it makes me feel like, yo, mm. I have to do that justice. Let's just get into, let's just get into that. that. For me, when I saw that, I was like, damn, this guy, damn, I wanted to do that. <laughs> damn, I wanted to crowdfund my album or yeah. project. Tell me, um, what was the motivation for you going that route? And uh, what was that experience like? Being nah. crowdfunded and all. I think yeah. everybody should crowdfund. Mm. I think all artists, I don't think any artist should have to go borrow money mm. from a bank. You know, like a lot of people I yes, know do. Yes, yes. You know, they go to direct access or whatever and they take out the loan yeah. to finish their work. I don't think that should be the case. You know, this must be funded some other way. So crowdfunding is great. I crowdfunded actually a part of my first album. 2013, I crowdfunded Jerome and the Sales yeah, Cup. Yeah. I got a hundred people to buy the album and I took that money and I paid for post-production. Mm. And it was somewhat successful. I think I raised enough to cover post-production on it at the time. So this time around, uh, there's this Thunderfund platform, which is very transparent. Money's not going into my bank account. Yeah. It's going to them. You can go to the website at any time. You can see what's happening and how far it is. But my experience of crowdfunding is that people get interested in the project mm. not just because it's music but because it's crowdfunding mm. so it raises interest a crowdfund campaign for me this is the second one i've done but my experience has been that it really becomes a awareness campaign about your mm. brand you introduce so many new people mm. to it and because you are moving and you are busy it opens the door for other people also to get mm. involved so i was very fortunate i was a few a few days into the campaign and then Bradley Kanasashi contacted me and he said, listen, Paintings by Kanasashi will sponsor a portrait, do what you want with it. And we used it kind of as a sweetener in the campaign. A guy from Port Elizabeth won the raffle. Mm. He's getting a portrait, I don't know, of himself or his baby Damn or his you. wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These things are happening, it's out there. But crowdfunding is wonderful. Like I said, I think all artists should do it. We mustn't be ashamed to ask for people to get involved. This is the thing, man. Because you're not giving me money, man. Yeah, it's not a thing. charity. You are buying. buying. You're buying something. You're buying, yeah. yeah. And the way my tiers were structured was if you gave, if you could buy the CD ahead of time, or you could buy the CD and a T-shirt, you could buy the CD and a T-shirt and a hoodie. Mm. So the way you structure your tiers also is in such a way that there's value for, yes, the, for the person who is supporting, yeah. for the of, backer. Of course. Yeah, so it's about, I think all artists we have, a challenge certainly in Cape Town. Yeah. Our challenge is realizing our value and realizing Definitely. what we are worth. Definitely. You know, you're Definitely. afraid to charge a hundred rand for the CD, but you know for a fact what effort right. went yes. into creating it, you know? Yes. So yes. taking pride in our work and, and being proud of it is mm. really a big challenge. So uh, tell me about your music video. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was fun. Oh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, uh, no, it was fun. It oh, was fun. Thank you, thank you. Respect, respect. My first ever music video. Yeah, your first one. Yeah, yeah. first video ever. Um, Boogie Up. Yeah. So, yeah, Gary, Gary Osenik, he sampled Boogie Down. So, I hear that and immediately you're thinking breakbeat. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I wrote the song that talks about that aspect of hip-hop, that era of hip-hop, you know, the Shalto Adidas, the b-boys dancing on cardboard, you know, an era that 
actually I missed growing up mm. but that I got very interested in because I was interested mm. in hip hop culture you know so I went back and I would watch mm. the Beat Street video mm. and I would watch the I went to all the Battle of the Year stuff when it was still over here at the Good Hope Center and so forth so the video kind of th- calls back to that so it's me I stick it in my Randy MC yeah. with my glasses <laughs> and my my hat and my gloves my 80s gloves and the vibe is just fun man yeah. we're just enjoying it it, it gives honor to the DJ. It gives honor to the people. It gives honor to the graffiti artists. It's very cool. That yeah, I called out some guys. I don't. I haven't heard back from them, so I don't know if they if they saw it or if they saw it and were offended uh, no, or, sure. or whatever. No, no complaints is good. No complaints. Yeah, is good. no news is yeah, good yeah. news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But shooting the video was a lot of fun. Yeah. We tried to keep it basic. Um, I thought, okay. I think my philosophy at the moment is first be good, man. And mm. then we can talk about getting creative and doing all yes, kinds of fancy yes, stuff. Yes. Sometimes so, this is more as well, you know, like sometimes we want these glossed up 4K videos mm. and whatever, whatever. But like sometimes it's just good to keep things raw and yeah, fun, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know? so that was the vibe. And the basics, we nailed, you know, the mm. framing is right, the shots mm. are right, the quality of the video is on point. But I try to keep it simple so that we could do it well. Mm. So the concept of the video is, it works for me. We just in a space and the dancers are dancing and me and Easy is jumping up yeah. and down on the couch and we're just enjoying the vibe. Oh, are we are we seeing more videos? Definitely, for, for definitely. The yeah. yeah. The aim is to put out more videos. I've already got ideas and songs identified and so forth. In fact, the second single of the album came out a day or two ago, Excel. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, Hakis Drat Hartman mm, mm. representing mm. Andy. So I'd love to shoot a music video for that. Okay. It's just a matter of the logistics there, because of course Hakis yeah, is based, based in, yeah, in the Southern Cape, yeah, yeah, out yeah, in yeah. George Muscle Bay, primarily. And it would be great to shoot something out mm. there. So we're trying to figure out how that's gonna work but yeah definitely the idea is to put out at least two more videos for this mm. project just steering away from that a bit uh give me some insights into your thoughts of where we are in the afrikaans rap scene especially in cape town you know what is your sense in terms of where we are in terms of growth and all of these things yeah i think um Yo, I don't know of any beef eh, directly, so I might be a little out of touch <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to responding about the beef. Mm. But I think rap in Afrikaans is it's in a good space, man. Mm. It's alive, it's doing great. Lots of people are putting out music, lots of people are writing music. And I'm really I'm pleased with not just the volume of music, because I think for a few years there's been a big like high volumes, mm. you know, lots of people are putting out lots of music. But I'm starting to notice that the quality of that music is improving, Mm. which is fantastic for me. So the quality of the songwriting, the the performance in the booth, because I would often hear guys who have great ideas in terms of flow and stuff they want to do. But on the recording, you can hear the execution isn't Mm. there yet, man. Like you maybe should have taken a day or two, Mm. lived with the idea, come back, because it must must look effortless in the recording. Yeah, so so that performance level has increased for me. The quality of the music production, the quality of the of the recording and like the post-production and that. I see that really mm. picking up. What I, yo, I don't know how fair this is in terms of my own music. Mm. But what, what I do miss is a bit of innovation. Mm. So a lot of the stuff I'm hearing sounds the same. Mm. 
and it sounds very similar or it copies yeah. top 40 styles yeah. or whatever is big right now. So the like hip hop is about innovation. Yes. Hip hop has always been about looking forward. It's about being futuristic. When that first scratch was invented, yeah. it was like alien. It was like nothing yeah. anyone had ever heard. And hip hop at the time had tried to, to innovate and do something new and fresh and move forward. And I think especially my generation of MCs, we fell into a rut where we just tried to rehash the era that we fell in love with, you know? So we would all try and sound like Wu-Tang because that's most how hip hop is supposed to sound, which is not true, yeah. you know? It's just your, your perception. So I would like to see a lot more innovation. I'd like to see people do crazy stuff and, and try things and not be intimidated. And I do think that the, in a sense, it is, I suppose, people within the pop community who are frowning on that kind of innovation mm. that make it maybe uncomfortable mm. for people to try and innovate. But at the same time, it could just be that people are too comfortable mm. where they are and they're not really pushing. So, yeah, it's really hard to stand out, I think, today. If you, where, where you are at now, right, as an artist with, with all the work that you've done, all the performances that you've done, um, and, and specifically now with this new project that's, that's, that's coming out, out now soon, uh, what are some of the stuff uh, that you had to unlearn? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wanting to propel your brand, um, your, your artistry. Mm. What, what are some of the stuff that you had to unlearn? Um, a big lesson for me is the perception that everything is time sensitive. Like in the past, I would rush something mm. because yo, these are ones are releasing mm. and these are ones are releasing mm. and this stuff. And no, it must be next month because of this and this and this reason. And then you rush the project and things, you know, compromises have to be made and sacrifices have to be made in quality or the thing is not like you want it to be. Mm. And a week or two or a month or so after that, you realize ah, it was really not a big deal. I could have waited another week. I could have waited another month. Mm. So I'm very laid back with this project. Like there are deadlines, there is pressure, but I would not think twice about holding something back to get it right. Mm. And that was a big learning for me mm. because like, I mean, even, even now recently I got a call, the artwork went into the printers, the album is done. Yeah. The, the master image went in fine, they downloaded it, it's fine. The printer calls me and says there's something on the artwork that is not right. There was a time, I think, when I would have told them, print, mm. you know, we're not gonna wait, we're mm. not gonna, but I said, no, no, hold, it'll go back to the designer, they'll fix it, you know, a day later the CD is gonna be available, you're gonna have hard copies in your hands. That was a big learning for me, mm. because you make these compromises because you are imagining in your mind that there's this urgency for things to be out. Um, but in the end, there was no real benefit, mm. you know? So that's for me, that's for me a big one. And then also consultation. I believe in consulting widely. So I had to unlearn having to do everything myself. Because mm. when you're on the schedule, you know, I think in our culture, you must my learn to do everything. Like mm. You do all your graphic design, you do all your flyers, Man. you do all your recordings. Man. I Man. started, I remember when I was working on the album, I started sitting and watching Lincris when he's mixing and mastering me because I now want to learn this so that I can do yes. that as well and do everything yes. myself. And I had to unlearn that in a big yeah. way, you know, ah, learn to sure. trust more people, learn to get more opinions, 
mm. learn to collaborate. Mm. So a lot of the music that you're gonna hear on the album, there was true collaboration taking place there. The producer had say, the guest artist had say, the, wow. the, the mix engineer had say, and I took that stuff on board and I tried things. Cause sometimes, even if you try something and it doesn't work, mm. you know, like when you're recording, I think the principle is, I read somewhere, when you're recording and you position your mic, they say, do a take like that and then move the mic and do another take. And then you, you go with the best one. Yeah. Even if you go back to the one you did before, you tried something different, mm. man. Mm. You know, so, mm. so I was open to that. I would ask the, the mix engineer, look here, can we try this? And then he mocks it up for me and he sends it back and then it doesn't work, but we tried it. Mm. You know, so, exactly. so that kind of thing was for me big. Cool. Yeah. So with the album in closing, what what's the grand? Uh, I don't want to say what's the grand plan, but mm. what what do you want out of it besides the fact that you wanted an iTunes or Spotify? What, yeah. what do you want from, you know, like what is what does this album signify basically for you? For me, I would like people to see growth. Mm. I would like people to see maturity like there's been growth from my last project to this project if, if people can see that in the music and hear that in the music that would be fantastic mm. if people can see in the music that there's more authenticity i think i speak more freely more openly about about stuff that i'm experiencing you know mm. so uh, if i look at where i started as a songwriter where everything was very cold and technical so mm. I would have an issue that I'm going to talk about. Mm. No? We're mm. going to talk. Yeah. This is the thing we're yeah, going to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about the power of words. Yeah. Right. So now I go do research for a month. And it's like, it's like an opinion piece. Yes. yes you yes, know, yes, yes. here's my introduction. Here's the body. Here's statistics. Yes. Here's yes. my references. Yes. Here's my citations. And the, yeah. where I feel my work has become more personal now. Cool. So if people can see that in the music and hear that in the music, that would be fantastic. If people can relate to what they hear there, and it makes them feel something that's mm. even better because that's art yep. that's art mm. and I've, I've started like when it comes to visual art when it comes to paintings when it comes to, to, to graffiti even I've started adopting the, the view that art is art when it makes you feel something mm. you know like guys who draw photorealistic pictures and whatnot that's great that's wonderful you know it's a, it's a display of technical ability it's fantastic but did you feel anything, you know? Mm. And if, if there's not of yourself in there, if there's not knowledge of self in there, then yeah, I think being just, being an ingrained in my time, very traditional hip hopper, yes, yes. those we are kind of the, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a bit reformed now. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to other music, but, but those beliefs are in there. There must be knowledge of self, there must be experience, there must, it must be personal, it must be authentic, yeah. Sure. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of our show, the SA Hip Hop Fix. Jerome, I want to say thank you so much for coming through, uh, hanging out with me. I want to thank the listeners for um, just checking out the podcast. Any famous last words and do you just want to give the listeners your social links? Yeah, it's Jerome Rex everywhere. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the other one, Jerome Rex, J-E-R-O-M-E-R-E-X. You can also go to jeromerex.co.za. There's some free music available there. And follow on social to hear when the album is going to be out. Al Jerome, 
the album, the hard copies are going to be out shortly. The printers are actually by Maka as we speak. Printing, so Quite yeah, good. it's gonna you're gonna Quite get that, that warm ink smell yeah. still and everything from the disc. And check out that um, music video on YouTube, right? Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. videos on YouTube. Yeah. Jerome Rex, check out my channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's gonna be more videos to come, and there's some other live performance stuff on there as well. Cool, cool, cool. With well, that, peace. Till next time. Peace.